0: So today on the show, I have Jason Gaddis. Jason, thank you for coming on Life Unscripted. You got it, man. What's up? So today, man, I just want to kind of talk about a little bit about what you do, your expertise. So if we can give the listener a little bit of
1: background
0: of how you got into relationships and where you came from with that.
1: Okay. Yeah. uh, So I'm a married husband, dad of two kids and I'm all about love and relationship. But it wasn't always that way. I was, uh, called myself a relationship failure for much of my life until I was 29. And I realized I was the one common denominator of my relationship problems. And I said, okay, that was like a major turning point in my life. Cause I, I figured if, okay, if that's true, then I can actually do something about that. Cause I was used to blaming women and um, making them wrong. And it's, they're the reason I'm not happy over here. So once I figured that out, I set to work, you know, went to grad school, moved to Boulder and started studying myself and my psychology and, and relationships full-time. And since that time, I'm, that's my jam, you know, just figuring myself out and other people out in the, especially in the context of love relationships. Mm -hmm.
0: What are some things that, um, that really interested like who really got you going like what mentors or anyone like any spe- specifics on how you really got into like full blown learning it from sound people
1: yeah it was it's interesting i had a lot of amazing mentors once i set on the path you know i was like okay i had incredible mentors along the way and like Dwayne Mulder was one of my first mentors, Dewey Freeman. These are teachers in my graduate school. And, and then my meditation teacher, Reggie Ray, who was a huge influence on my life. And some of these men, and there were some other men along the way, I had a male therapist that was awesome. Some of them had relationship problems. And Mm -hmm. so I started to sniff that out that like, Oh wait, these guys can only help me so much. So for example, my meditation teacher, who was amazing, you know, had an affair with one of his students, and so I was like, "Later, I don't, I don't want to learn from you." Um, at the same time, it was awesome because it it set me again on a deeper path of trying to figure out relationships. I was like, "Okay, well, if these guys can't help me with relationships. Shit, who can?" So that allowed me to seek and uh, seek out other teachers who could help me. And then also it cast me back on myself to learn from my own direct experience in the fire of my own marriage, what worked and what didn't work and to kind of stop looking for answers outside myself. So it had me dig in uh, even deeper into my own learning process with my wife and I uncovered and figured out a lot of cool things along the way there. And of course, you know, other mentors showed up along the way that that helped yeah. to reinforce things. All right.
0: So... I kind of want to just like fast forward a little bit to where you are now. You have the relationship school. Yep. Which is like a full blown educational program. And while well, I yeah. want to get more back into that, mm-hmm. But my question is you run a business, it's successful, you have clients from all over the world. How important is boundaries? Because I know you have a high value on family. Yeah. And your life definitely, definitely demonstrates that. So, how important is boundaries with your work? And then the family.
1: It's essential. I say no all the time to people. And so, uh, but it wasn't always that way. I was not good at boundaries. I'm kind of a relational guy. I'm sensitive. So I'm tracking dynamics and I don't like to upset people. So that was a big, steep learning curve. And it took me years to get fully behind a no. And now it's a lot easier. It's still uncomfortable, but it's a lot easier. And it's, it's essential for me to be able to do what, I'm doing in my life because I have so many fucking demands uh, and I'm helping so many people that it's like, shit, if I say yes, I'm kind of fucked. So I I got a very discerning, you
0: know. How do you, how do you go about setting boundaries? Because I mean, for the longest time, fuck, I never even set a boundary in a relationship. It was like, hey, baby, I'm just available. Let's hang out. Like (laughs) I'm here. You're in my life now. Like I was delusional about relationships um, and I didn't know what a boundary was.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in what context? In the context of relationships or life? The context
0: of relationships, work, like, you know, I think it's important that people have their own time, their own, something separate outside of the relationship. Yeah. How do you deviate and set like, hey, this is the boundary. Like, what's a great way to go about setting a boundary that this is non, a non-negotiable, non as you say?
1: Yeah. Well, you could look around in your life at people you're pissed off at or resenting or upset and chances are you've um, given yourself away too much. Mm -hmm. And so that's a place you could start to get curious that maybe it's time for a boundary. Family members are a classic example of saying, yes, mom, I'll come home for the holidays when you really mean no. Uh, What that pans out, how that pans out in a love relationship is you say, yes, honey, When you really mean no, she's going to feel that incongruency in you, and she's going to lose trust in you, and it's going to be painful. You're going to start a fight. So the you got to listen to the feedback in your life is going to tell you where to set the boundaries, and then it's a matter of um, valuing yourself enough to say no, thank you, or you know this is my time, and I I need to take care of myself. It's like uh, you know you've been in a habit perhaps of saying yes most of your life. And that Mm -hmm. worked as a little boy or a little girl, but it doesn't really work as well uh, when you're an adult, especially if you're a busy adult. So I I like to just practice by saying no once a week. I always suggest just start with something small. Uh, Just say no once a week as a practice and then notice what it feels like to say no, like close your eyes after you say no, you send the text or whatever. Mm -hmm. Close your eyes, feel your body, feel how scary that was, how uncomfortable it is. And find out if you, if you died. Did the world end? Did you die? Probably not. So, you know, it gives you confidence if you can go do it again the next week and then the next week. Um, So a little, a little boundary practice like that could go a long way.
0: How do you get your partner on board with that? Let's say in the beginning of the relationship, you know, there was no boundaries, but now, you know, you built a, a, this big business, your, your business kind of shifted. You have this relationship school. I'm sure your boundaries have changed along the way as well. Oh yeah. So how do you get your partner on board with your new set of boundaries?
1: Well, if, uh, you know, you, we educate, as you know, our partners about our values and what we care about in our life. And, and if she really knows me, which she does, uh, she knows what matters to me. And mm-hmm. so if my no to her is going to help, uh, her feel even more safe and seen by me later, she's going to be a yes to it. So I have to, in a way, seller on it that like, and demonstrate through my actions uh, that I'm more available later if I say no now. So if I keep saying yes, like we had to figure this out in our relationship. I said, yes, it was like Friday night, it's guys night. Am I going to hang out with the guys? Am I going to hang out with my lady? And of course she was into connection at the time and wanted to hang out with me all the time. And I, there was a part of me that wanted that, but there was another part of me that's like, gosh, I need some space here. So I had to, we had to find our way there and eventually I got, um, you know, basically I had to, I had to just teach her that. And she had to have an experience that actually he's more available. If he says no tomorrow night, he'll be like more of a yes versus Mm -hmm. if I say yes, two nights in a row, I'm kind of like watering down the connection and it doesn't feel as I'm as, I'm not as present. And so that Mm -hmm. happened early on in our relationship and we figured it out.
0: So she was able to adapt and catch on and like progress yeah, with that.
1: Totally. Now I'm the one that's like, honey, let's hang out. And She's like, no, I'm tired. And I'm like, uh, Hey, wait, what about me? And so we have, we have this dance, but I, again, I care. I know that if she gets sleep, for example, she'll be more available tomorrow versus if I try to get her to stay up and process or talk with me, mm-hmm. that may not go very well.
0: Got it. I want to jump into listening. Okay how you know some people say there's mindful listening attentive listening like just really getting in and like as you say really hearing and understanding what this person is trying to communicate and getting them um you know i feel like a lot of people listen but it goes through one ear out the other as they say or you'll just forget about it because it just doesn't seem that important so how important is when your partner tells you something or like sitting down with them and listening, like and really getting them.
1: That's vital. And you got to do it with your presence. And you know, the other person has to feel like you're there and you understand. And we we can't always understand exactly what it's like to be another person. That's, that's not what we're going for. We're going for a base level of, I hear you, honey. I see you. I, it seems painful. I got it. And so the other person feels understood. That's sort of the litmus. Got it. So yeah, central. yeah,
0: yeah. Um, you know, it seems nowadays with all the social media and stuff that like super distractive. Um, do you have anything like any stuff that you specifically do when you go out on date night, like not pick up the phone, like super attentive the listening? Do you have any like little rituals you do with your wife to limit the distractions?
1: Yeah, if we're really connecting, like, yeah, the phone either is off, goes in another room, um, something, if I am really want to be there. You know, it's so uh, common now to have the phone at our side, in our pocket, in our face, in our space all the time, uh, that as long as you're not checking it, again, it's, it, you can even check it. But what matters is the person feels like you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, But some couples will be like, yeah, honey, yep, uh uh-huh, I hear you. And they'll just be scrolling and they're both doing it. It's like, yeah, and they're having a conversation. It's like, nobody's present here. Uh, I don't know how that happens, but I think a lot of couples get kind of stuck and comfortable there. And we got to, you know, I want to be careful that because that shit creeps in and then it starts to eat away and erode the the vibrancy and the connection that you really probably want to have. Mm-hmm. So, again, no more boundaries.
0: Yeah, more <laughs> with this electronics. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what's your take here on having a partner who also has a growth mindset? Of a partner who wants to learn and grow within the relationship?
1: Yeah. Well, I think you know what I'm going to say here, but I, I'm, all about, I'm all about it. Uh, yeah. You know, if you and I are going into business together is my analogy and we didn't want to look at your shit and we wanted to scale our company to 50 million. Um, you're going to hold us back because you're not willing to face your psychology around money. You're not willing to face your issues around communication and conflict. When sh- sh- we, we get into it, we're not going to have a successful company versus the partners that both come to the table, willing to look in the mirror, willing to go full out on facing ourselves, getting outside help if we need it, those couples are the strongest couples I see and experience in my life. And uh, it doesn't always mean, it doesn't necessarily translate to that because some people can have the growth mindset and just use the tools to go in a circle all day long. So it's, it's not necessarily equal success, but I'm just saying that if both couples adopt a growth development mindset, they're more likely to succeed over the long haul because they have tools and they're willing to learn and forever be a student of the whole process.
0: Instead of kind of like cycling a partner out, going up, cycling a partner out because one isn't, you know, continuing the growth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not only cycling them out, but just I, I cycle in my own issues. I just don't, I don't grow here and I don't actually get the feedback, and I never really because I'm kind of closed and I think I, I got it figured out and I don't really have anything to learn here. To me, that person's got their head up their ass. I mean, learning about relationships, I, I'm like a relationship expert, right? Right. And I'm still on the path learning just like the rest of us. I have so much to learn still. And as long as I stay in that mindset, I'm good because I then don't make a lot of assumptions. I don't get locked down into, this is how it is. You know, my wife's a mystery. Um, if, as long as I treat her that way, we're going to have a good relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you see working with clients? Cause you have your school of let's say one individual in the relationship is in your school and the other one's not.
1: Yep. Happens all the time.
0: Yeah. So what happens at the end of the year, this other person fucking just skyrocketed their whole relationship skills integrated transform and what's your take when you see one partner doing it and the other partner who doesn't do that?
1: Well, as long as the partner who doesn't do it is uh, uh empty cup, coachable, open to feedback, mm-hmm. and they get the power of what this person just went through, it can transform their relationship. And it does. And I've seen that happen in my school. And I've also seen the opposite. Marriages end, people blow out uh people outgrow the other person and it just creates more attention. But the person who's growing is more empowered and ultimately more fulfilled. And if that relationship ends, that person now that has the tools has the chops to deal with the next relationship, whereas the other person is back where they where they started, like yeah. not have not having learned anything. Yeah.
0: So let's get into I'm just kind of jumping all over with you because I yeah. want to keep your brain like no tomorrow. Um I hear you say the difference between conflict, right? And then fighting.
1: Okay.
0: So I want to get into how to have what you would say is a a good conflict with your partner and how to go to battle with them.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I'm a big yes to conflict, fighting, arguing, whatever it takes to reach understanding, mutual understanding. And a lot of people get into the habit of being good boys and girls uh, because they got the message fighting's bad and wrong. So Mm -hmm. they don't do it either because they grew up in a family that didn't fight or they grew up in a family that fought all the time. And they're like, I don't want anything to do with that because it didn't go well. That's all understandable. But you have to understand that conflict, if you look around in life, conflict and storms are just a part of life and it's not, it's never going away. So I'm of the mindset and we teach this at our Embracing Conflict Weekend to embrace conflict like this is just the way the world is and so the sooner you get on board with that as a mindset the sooner you're willing to learn like okay i gotta learn how to work through the challenges with another person and if you don't want to do that then stay single don't don't worry about partnership
0: what's what's a way someone can embrace conflict in a relationship i mean nowadays especially with social media there's so much instant gratification to go on you know, fucking Tinder or some other app and start browsing for dudes and chicks who are going to give them the pleasure that they're looking for. Yeah. What they assume they're looking for. So, like, what's a good way to go and tackle conflict with your partner?
1: Well, I think for those people, you know, we probably can't help them. Um, but for those people that are like that, but have a long-term vision and a goal Mm -hmm. and they actually want to be in a fulfilling long-term relationship, maybe start a family one day, then you got to connect your value of that, that your dream of having a family with that and learning conflict is going to help you with that. So, you know about that with linking values that if I see that it's a part of being in a successful relationship, then I'm going to be willing to learn it. You know, it's like, if I want to go and be a software developer, there's some shit I have to learn. I can't just like snap my fingers and and feel good and develop a new app. I got to actually go learn how to do it somewhere and go to school with it. So it's similar. But if if I really want it, if I want the end result bad enough, like to feel loved and seen and appreciated for who I am and a partner that has my back, then put in the work, like embrace conflict because it's you're going to – you're going to, you know, blow out, shit the bed. You're going to fail hard if you don't.
0: Can you share something that you teach your students in the school? Like one tip on how to embrace conflict?
1: Yeah. Um, there's so many. Um, so we talked about mindset. That's huge. Yeah. That's like the uh-huh. first step. And uh Another mindset piece, and that'll give a more practical tool, is just seeing that your partner, whatever they're triggering in you is actually good for your development and it's healing for you. It's it's actually going to help you be who you are if you have this mindset. If you have the mindset that they're just a pain in the ass, then they're going to be a pain in the ass and it's going to be really hard for you. But if it's seen as this is helping me become who I am, it's really, it's really great. So one other practical tip would be, You've got to learn how to, if you want to de-escalate any situation, you got to back to our listening thing. You got to learn how to listen. Um, and so I teach people at our weekend how to listen and everybody knows how to listen right now. Oh, I know how to listen. Yeah. No, you don't. Not really. You know, We all know how to listen. Sure. But to truly listen to someone, especially under stress is a whole different skill set. And so I teach people how to do that.
0: So, What's involved with like to listen to someone who's fucking just, Rage—they're full-blown in their amygdala. They're screaming at you, like they lost their shit. Like in the relationship, yes. right?
1: Well, if they're screaming at me, I probably can't do much other than set a boundary and just be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm not for talking to that way. Please don't communicate with me that way." So I would mm-hmm. set a boundary first. If it was more, because more the reality is people are just going at it and their voices are raising, but they're not, you know, like that way you described. It's more like just feels bad and off, and we're going in circles. Um, I might just call a timeout and be mm-hmm. like, I need to take a breath here. I need to slow down and I'm going to be the bigger person here. I'm not going to say this, but I'm going to say that to myself and I'm going to listen to you, honey. And I'm going to do my best to understand what's happening for you and, and without defending myself. So you got to set your set your defensiveness and your blame aside because it gets you nowhere and just listen and reflect back. One of the tools that I teach is basic reflective listening. And this is a very simple skill that's taught to therapists that I learned that changed my life and you can make fun of therapists all you want, but most therapists know how to fucking listen. Um, and it's about reflecting back what I heard. And then it's about validating the feeling and saying, it makes sense that you feel that way, honey. And then, you know, moves us into a whole different terrain.
0: So is this really, this sounds like it would come in play to really understanding your partner's true values so you can really communicate back to them in a way where you're hearing what they're really after.
1: Uh, It could be, um, but I don't need to understand their true values. I can just understand the content of what they're saying. Like, I'm mad that you left the... Laundry out and I'm mad that you didn't pay our bill and I'm hurt because this, that, and the other happened. I could go, I didn't leave the bill out. It wasn't my fault, and I could do that. Or I could just be like, Okay, it sounds like you're pissed off because I didn't pay the bills on time, mm-hmm. left the laundry out, and whatever else is am I following you so far, honey? Am I with you? So, so you I just, get on the same page. Yeah,
0: pitch. yeah, I got it.
1: Right? So I'm just like I call it same page questions. So are we on the same page? Am I following you? Am I with you right now? And then she says, yeah, thanks for listening. And then I might validate her feelings. Like it makes sense. You're upset because I did leave the fucking laundry out. I did forget to pay the bill on time. You're right. So it makes sense. You're upset. And then all of a sudden she's just like, thank you. Cause I just took responsibility for my part and I listened to her so
0: that's good right there i wanted to you said a statement with the finances the yeah. money not paying the bill and a lot of couples i think would and i would imagine from you working with couples all the time you see them arguing over finances
1: uh yeah, yeah how do you pretty common.
0: <laughs> what's the most how do you deal with that how do you get couples on the same page with money Maybe one wants to build wealth, the other one wants to go shopping or travel. Like, what is your, how do you get them on the same page in alignment if they're going to be in a long term relationship and truly want to grow together?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. they have to put a high value on figuring this out. So rather than argue about it um, and go in circles, it's, wow, honey, this seems to be one of our major sticking points. Uh, can we both commit to figuring this out and negotiating until we find a middle? way. And all relationships require finding a middle way, a shared direction where we're both heading in the same direction. Again, otherwise why be in a fucking relationship? If I just want to really do my thing and and I'm seeing you as a pain in the ass, be single. Relationship partnership is burly. It's about sharing. It's about sharing your life. It's not all about you anymore. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn how to navigate and negotiate the middle. And so this is that couples, if that's the couple we're using, that's their, that's their path right now. We got to figure out how we're going to do money. And then they double down on that. They hire a counselor, a coach, they figure it, they go all in until they're like, ah, we reached a sweet spot. And it's totally possible, but it requires two mature adults to come to the table and negotiate. Nice.
0: Nice. Where do you see relationships going in the future, like what's what's your vision? Yeah. Of seeing, you know, because there's people going through where we used to live and sleep in separate beds, to now sharing the bed. And it was like, you know, you get 30, you get married, you have the wife, you have the kids, you get the picket fence. Like, where do you see? Where do you envision with your relationship school taking relationships?
1: Well, I think we're going to be one of the leaders in relationship education, which to me is going to become one of the most important things as AI comes online Mm -hmm. and we get more automated here. Um, As we value technology more, it seems like we value relationship less, but what's actually going to be one of the most important skills is learning how to get along with other people because machines could drive us apart. um, And if we can understand how to work out differences between other people, especially in close families, um, community, small communities, and we know how to do this. Well, it's a commodity and it's priceless if you can do that. And it's priceless because of your health is everything. If you're in a stressful relationship and all you perceive, you just perceive relationships as stressful, you're going to get sick a lot and you're going to die sooner. So, To me one of the biggest superpowers that we can have in the future is the ability to work out our differences and to be a team Uh, because with what i see coming down the horizon Mm -hmm. is that's going to be high high value um and so i want someone that's got my back going through that most of us don't want to die alone most of us don't want to live alone uh even though we feel that way even in our communities we already feel like we're alone so people need to learn this art of how to deeply connect with another human being. So I I think even though it's going to shrink in some ways, Mm -hmm. um, those people that get it are going to be some of the most powerful people on the planet because they're, they understand human to human interactions and human to human partnerships. And uh, it's going to go a long way. Do you see
0: relationships possibly, going to more of the many in like a polyamorous kind of style way?
1: Well, it's already happening. Um, I see now more than ever, like, dude, when I was in my 20s and I was kind of a player trying to figure out relationships, yeah. I would have loved what's going on now. <laughs> 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 I'd be mean, like, sweet. Yeah, let's open it up, honey. Yeah, it's getting uncomfortable here. Let's, let's pop the valve here and let some like lightness in. And ooh, there's a sexy new person in the relationship. Right. That would have been great. Um, but to me, it would have been a dodge for me. I'm not saying it is for others, but it is, it would have been for me because it would have just been a release valve. Um, but I think it's already happening. I think people are struggling in monogamous relationships and, and there's as much as there's a lot of information that's okay out there, uh, people it's really, comes down to people's inability or unwillingness to work with their reactivity that's the hardest part, yeah is, is the back part of the brain and the nervous system under stress uh, we can uh, we can all do the tools, but under stress is where what separates like a a good couple from a great couple is how do they do stress so that's what I would say on that so
0: basically that people who are more into per se the many aren't really dealing with internally what's going on
1: it wouldn't have been for me yeah. um, i i'm I'm actually I think it's actually, I see it more as we're like animals in the animal kingdom. Some mm-hmm. animals are monogamous, yes, some are not, um, some are monogamous for life, some have multiple partners in multiple months and years, so it 's like people are just different species of animals, and I'm a, I happen to be a monogamy animal, yeah, and it works for me, but it, the guy down the street, it might not work for, and he might be trying to fit himself into the monogamy box and keep trying to fit that in and he's miserable. So maybe it's better for him to open it up and be like, no, my nat- my natural nature is this human animal is more of an open situation. And that, that's actually very freeing for people. It's, it's awesome. Uh, I don't really know what it's like. Cause I, I'm not in that situation, but it seems like it works for some people. I think some people definitely use it as kind of addiction, escapism, Um, it seems easier, even though it's fucking way more complicated to have multiple people to work shit out with. I'm like, whoa. So I, I don't, I can't really say I can speak to is, you know, the people I work with.
0: Have you ever worked with someone who came to you and thought they were poly and then you worked with them and actually they really wanted one person?
1: No, I, I, most people or I'm, I scare them off, you know, because I I just think it's just my, my own fulfilling situation here that uh, those people I think mostly go to other you know, poly open folks open. You know, to get their help.
0: I want to jump into a quote here. If you guys don't know, Jason Gaddis has the smart couple quote book that you could buy on Amazon. I highly recommend it for anyone who actually just wants to start to learn about themselves and learn about relationships more. This thing's filled with fucking gems. Um, so on this one, you got a quote that says, People pleasers, when you continue to run your childhood habit of pleasing others before yourself, you'll keep manifesting symptoms such as resentment and other circumstances to get you back to you. If you're with a pleaser, you can help them by not letting them help you. Notice what happens. Yeah. Let's talk about people pleasers because I think there is a, a lot of people who like to play out that altruistic role quite often.
1: Yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, often it comes from a childhood strategy. Um, people pleasing was something you did as a kid to survive your chaotic environment or it's how you got love or it's how you got depressed mom out of bed or whatever. You, you had your strategy and you're still doing it. And it gets rewarded in this culture big time. Um, just like achievers get rewarded in this culture big time, mm-hmm. even though it can be couched in a deep neurotic strategy. So people pleasing um, in a partnership ultimately becomes a turnoff. Any strategy really does because what we're trying to get to is who, who are you really? Um, I want to get to the real person beneath all the fucking masks. And, you know, I want to get the vulnerable raw you. And that's scary to go there. And most people I think choose not to, and they create lots of strategies and excuses not to uh, mm-hmm. like making the other person wrong, but people pleasing is just one, one more, uh, of many strategies we use to kind of keep ourselves safe and not reveal who we are. And it gets, to me, it's just a turnoff over time. It's like, look, I don't, I don't need you to try to make, make me happy or please me. And it's actually starting to bug me. Um, and so what I noticed when I was doing people-pleasing, nice guy-type behaviors is I would start to resent people. And that's your sign. That's the greatest feedback you can ever get Mm. is when you resent people, it means you're starting to lose interest in your strategy. And it means it's time for the new you to emerge through that, you know, very well-intended childhood strategy. Uh, And it's time for you to grow up a little bit and resentment's your friend. So listen to your resentments.
0: That's interesting. Would you, in your work you do, do you, can you pretty much pinpoint when resentment start to happen? That means a new strategy is going to come into, you got to crush that strategy and evolve to the next one illusion per se.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, in a way it's, you could call them strategies. It's, I just call them issues. You know, yeah. um, I work through one issue mm-hmm. and I'm empowered. I'm like, sweet. I have a moment of gratitude or whatever. Yeah. Right. As we know. And then it's, I got a new challenge coming my way. Um, some new issue that I didn't, I was blind to before. And now it's kind of bugging me. It's like, what is this? I'm just, and it usually comes out as judgment toward other people. And then eventually I start seeing that it's me that's creating this. And then I can start to deal with that. But yeah, it's issue by issue is how I get more empowered.
0: What's your advice for people who think they don't have any fucking issues, like in the relationship and it is always push (laughs) and shove away and they're like, like, oh, well, I, I don't do that. That's, I don't ever do that kind of stuff.
1: I don't fight with those people. I just say it sounds like your life's really working for you. So why are we talking? Yeah. What do you recommend yeah, just, for
0: people in like a relationship with someone like that? Um, want to take accountability.
1: Yeah. So I would say if I'm really, my radar is kind of sniffing something out, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of bullshit about that. That's what I would say is look, I hear you that you seem to have a high functioning life, but here isn't very functioning, is it? So it sounds like, would you agree, honey? I would just try to get on the same page and get a shared reality. Would you agree that you have issues here with me? Like you have an issue with me. So you don't have relationship issues. You don't have any problems or anything. Cool. But what about here? It seems like we have problems. Like, cause we're not getting along. Mm -hmm we're not, we just fought yesterday. We, we're not having sex. Like that seems to be, there's issues here. Would you agree? And if they say no, still, again, I, I'd be asking myself, why am I with this person? Yeah. But most my reasonably minded people are going to say, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I struggle here sometimes. Yes, that's true. All right. Well, if you, cause, cause I can't help anyone who isn't willing to admit they have something to learn, right? We can't help people like yeah. that.
0: Nice. Do you see a difference between generations of the mindset in the relationship from, let's say, people or 50 plus to now the younger generation, generation, uh, you know, Y and Z?
1: I do. I, I think younger people are just more open to relationships. And that's, uh, there's a few pieces of evidence there. One is our parents didn't have access to these kind of tools. And they just didn't know they were focused on much different challenges and relationship was not something they were going to a therapist about. That was pretty rare. Mm -hmm. And if you did, it was like a psychoanalyst that was the one person in town. Now it's really common and normal and okay even to go get help, um, even though some people would say it's not. So I'd say it's more okay. And then the younger generations, according to a Harvard recent Harvard study, 70% of young teens and young adults are asking for help around their love relationships. I mean, what the hell is that? That's fucking amazing. 70% that was out of 5,000 teens and young adults from a completely diverse backgrounds, um, different socioeconomic classes, different race, uh, different religious beliefs, 5,000 people, 70% of teens and young adults saying, yeah, I, 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 this, we lack guidance here. We lack direction here, which is, I know why I'm doing the relationship school, right? Because I want to help meet that need. So I'd say, yeah, young people and millennials are are way more open. Even look at Tim Ferriss and Gary V entrepreneurs that we both know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a lot of their following are younger people, and even this is where younger men are even more open to growth because they they're hearing from these successful, badass entrepreneurs that it's okay to look in the mirror. Right. It's like permission, right? Whereas when I, I never had a podcast that gave me permission when I was 20 to like look at myself. Yeah. I was defending myself, you know?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Trying to figure it out. Yeah. On your own. Right. Or with whatever books you had available in the, you know, the public library.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I want to get into another quote here. I like this one. It says, advanced relationships work is about seeing that we are at war with ourselves. This is the real issue. Yes, it appears that we are at war with the outside, but the real shift comes from the inside. The healing isn't here. So for someone who's not, per se, you know, in the looking at the relationship and more into just day-to-day living, can you explain this a little further about the advanced relationship of how to step into that?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, all, all the beginner needs to do is spend um, several years with one person in an intimate partnership, and this mm-hmm. is going to start to come into focus for them. Uh, if you have never experienced a long-term relationship, this might not make as much sense. But if you look at your own family of origin, because that's the person you've been in the relationship the longest next to an intimate partner, is your parents, siblings, is that <clears throat> there's stuff in that family that's intense. And there's some dark times and there's some pleasure and pain and it's all in there. And so you could start to see and possibly an opportunity there to grow. But I I think it mostly comes out of the context of an intimate partnership is when we really um, see that war that we're, that we're creating in our relationship life is really inside. And that Mm -hmm. I'm just arguing you know, anything my tr- my wife triggers in me is, for the most part, unfinished material in here and areas in me that I, I'd like to, I aspire to grow into and evolve in myself. So it's a big hall of mirrors, really, is other people. And it's it can be a lot to grasp that and grok mm-hmm. that initially, but spend any time in a long-term relationship and it'll start to come into focus.
0: Because I think a lot of people, too, just like the initial infatuation of like, oh, my God, it's so hot and this is amazing. And then, like, they start to crave that. So my question for you is, you know, doing you do the long term relationship. So let's talk about intimacy in that long term relationship, because I think so many people, they want that hot, quote unquote, you know, we use the word passion, passionate sex, that fiery, that like you know, what's something that they can, how do you work through those stages to keep that fire flowing?
1: Yeah. Well, if you resist the second stage, there's three stages basically of, of relationship. I just keep it really basic Yeah. infatuation mm-hmm. challenge and then true love. Yeah. So if you want the goodies that true love has to offer, you gotta, it's, you gotta realize it's not infatuation and you need to embrace the challenge. And when you do, uh, your sex life will deepen and you will come to know a person and be known by a person much deeper than you've ever experienced. Uh, and the only way to get there is to embrace the challenge, which is basically back to our point around embracing conflict. Um, people that don't, and they resist the challenge, they resist the conflict will keep seeking, they'll keep like hitting a wall and going back, like a rubber band back to the infatuation stage and trying to recreate that. And, um, good luck. I mean, (laughs) I mean, now
0: too, with all the, like we said earlier, all the apps, it's pretty easier to get into the animal mind and go into all these apps and instantly start to satisfy that craving where maybe let's say 20 years ago, 15 years ago, none of this is around. Yeah. Right. Yep. So do you think it's more challenging now? That also we have we have the tools now, but also we have the opposite set, which is we have where we have access to that instant gratification of you know going online and looking at porn, or getting on the app, you know, and yeah. wiping left and right.
1: Yeah. So what's so, the question?
0: Yeah. So what's your you know do you, I, my question to you is is it do you find it more challenging now to keep someone in um, out of the reptilian brain and more into the prefrontal cortex? within the relationship and being able to actually take accountability and inventory.
1: Yeah. I wonder, I mean, I I think that's a valid point. I don't know. Um, But I would say I'm with you in that it seems like there's a lot more distractions. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot more candy, so to speak at at every corner and every moment uh, I can just check out or look at something and get a little dopamine hit anytime I want. And that's, that definitely does not bode well for long-term relationship satisfaction. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, if we get too stuck there, I think it, you're, you're creating the causes and conditions to set yourself up to be vulnerable for those kind of relationships that mirror your instant gratification addictions to dopamine. Mm. So I think it's, um it, it's like anything like saving money, for example, right? We both know, It's disciplined and it's a long-term game and you got to not be emotional about it. And this is just the program. A long-term relationship is really similar. Like you can't get um, so sucked in by the emotionality of it, the highs and lows, uh, or you're not going to make it. This is why back to the challenging stage, if you can stay steady in the storm and learn to work with your mind and your reactivity, you're going to do great.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So in, in in regards to that, you have a business that obviously is going to, you're going to run until you die. Oh yeah. Okay. At least in your physical body. Yeah. Okay. You're also in a partnership where you do not want to have a divorce. You want to continue to grow with her until that ends. Yes. How important is it to have your partner have your back in your business? Is it realistic to think that your partner is going to support every step of the way of you building your business?
1: Uh, No, it's not realistic, but it's doable. Okay. And I think uh, my wife and I are, again, a living example of supporting each other's businesses. We both work for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there has been bumps along the way and challenges that we've had to navigate when businesses change, demands change, and they still come up you know, because my life's not getting any calmer. It's getting more full, right? And uh, if I just did my mission and didn't pay attention to my wife, I wouldn't be married. And then I'd be a single guy, divorced, teaching about relationships. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't want that, right? I want to, that would, so I'm constantly, what I love about my life is it's like one big accountability mirror. Like I, I can't afford to like, Fall down for very long in my marriage because it it doesn't feel good. I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm a hypocrite or a fraud, or so I want to be in integrity all the time, and so that means I have to set boundaries with work and actually spend time with my family and my wife. And I want to like they're fucking awesome to be around. It's not like I'm like oh shit, I got to go see the wife or the old lady. Like that's not how I see it. I got to see my sexy, amazing wife who rocks, and what a treat! I can't wait to hang out with her and my kids because it's so fun for me. So um, we can get to these places where it's not all in conflict and my wife will cheer me on, you know, and say, yes, you go, man, do Mm -hmm. it. I just want to stay connected to you. And that's really the litmus for us is, is how can we do our businesses and our lives in a way that we can still feel connected and like we have each other's back. And when we don't, we deal with it.
0: So is that the big piece is like communicating to have that connection of like, Hey, once I'm done with this. Like you're mine. You, I, you, like, I, you have all my attention.
1: It's some of that. Yeah. And it's also, I'm just motivated to keep the connection strong mm-hmm. when I, it, it's a great, it's great feedback. Like when I go too far into business or stress mode or work mode, my connection with her will suffer. And same with my kids. They're then they act out more. I mean, it's fucking amazing to, to like tune in that much, like, huh. And so when I dial it back, then we're cool, but I want to be connected too. It's not that I want them to be happy or be okay. It's, I want to feel solid. So I am sensitive enough to listen to the feedback when it gets out of balance. I'm, it's like a little tweak, a little course correction. Yeah. yeah and it's maintaining that vibe that mm-hmm. I call the secure home base between my wife and I, that's strong.
0: So I want to throw out some challenge here to uh, other big name people in social media, people like, we'll just start with Gary V.
1: Yeah.
0: Who's, you know, he's the man of hustle, right? Yeah. He's hustle 24 seven hustle nonstop. Da 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 da. Like there's a lot of people who follow him. There's a lot of young kids who want to be entrepreneurs and want to fucking tackle the world and do great things. But I guarantee a lot of those kids also want to have relationships. Right. Gary v is not the relationship master.
1: No, you don't, know any,
0: you don't know anything about his family. Right. Right. So he only gives you one side. He gives you all his hustle. This is what he's doing 24 seven. So I want you to, what's some advice you would give for a young entrepreneur coming up to be able to run a business, start a business and have a successful relationship at the same time.
1: Well, if you want a successful relationship, you can't probably listen to people like Gary V because you, you'll be dating women or a man if you're gay that wants more of your time and that is constantly chasing you down to get connection and you're not really available because you would rather build your empire or start a business than be in a relationship. So you have to get honest. Is, is it really, is relationship truly a top priority for you? It's got to be in your top three values to, to make it go well. Uh can't be fourth or fifth or sixth on the list or you're not going to have a relationship. So, and then you're going to just, have a person that's like a body that you go home to at night and then you can't wait to get away from the person to go work again. So if you're that kind of person, Gary V would be a great person to follow because it's 24 to seven, just go balls out. Great. But don't expect, uh, to be with a partner. You can have a partner, but don't expect to be with one, uh, that you guys are probably that fulfilled. I mean, I don't know anything about his life, but yeah, I, I know that wouldn't work for my partner. hmm you know if go, just hustling 24/ 7 yeah, yeah, yeah. like I wouldn't have a marriage, most likely
0: right so what's a um, a good tip you would give a young kid? Decide who, who's, yeah. who, who, who yeah who wants to have a good relationship but also wants to you know build an empire for his family that he envisions
1: Yeah, so then schedule your life, man plan your life around the things you want yeah and know that if you want a successful relationship it needs to be a high priority, period. So you put time and attention on that and you set boundaries around your work. And during work time, it's great because it forces you to get more discipline. Like I've had to get so much more discipline than I've ever had in my life. And I'm still learning. I'm still working on discipline. But because I know I want to stop at 5, 5.30 at night, I don't want to bring work into the bedroom for three hours at night. Uh, it doesn't go well for my marriage if I do that, right? So I have to reel it in and set boundaries. And then that means during the day, during those work hours, I'm going to be more on point, uh, not fuck around. So that's what I would give advice to to the young ones out there that are want both is, cool, you're going to have to structure it then to set yourself up for success. I mean, it's like any professional, like if you want to also be a professional athlete or you want to do the Olympics or you want to train, you want to be in a band and be a badass musician. Yeah. It's just, it's like discipline training and then boundaries because you want other things too. But like we both know, it can't all fit at the top. Right. Mm-hmm. I see it as a triangle. There's just, it's, there's not all this room at the top. So I have to, decide what are the couple of most important things
0: so are you unavailable during the day from pretty much the outer from the family and everything else like it's business like I'm. yeah
1: Yeah, i'm pretty unavailable i'm available on my terms which means i can you know i work from home so i can go upstairs i can see the kids um and go out and play with them for a little bit i can have lunch with my family if i Mm -hmm. want i can get a hug with my wife um we can check in if we get in a fight, I'll drop what I'm doing for two hours during the day to clear that up with her if she's available. Um, so I can, you know, it's it's nice in that it's that flexible.
0: Okay, so let's. Could, would you mind sharing like a day, like a day of your schedule with the listener? Sure. Like someone who's got fucking who runs a business but also has two kids and an awesome, you know, uh, awesome family. Yeah. What's, what's a day in the life look like for you?
1: Yep. So I wake up at four thirty right now and i i study i read for an hour and i write and sometimes i work so from 4:30 to 6:30 is me time and once in a while if my wife's up at 6 we check in maybe for 15 minutes we have a morning connection the kids come in at 6:30 and it's on and i i'm either exercising or i'm with them my wife goes to yoga um 3 days a week and and exercises pretty much six, seven days a week. So we have our morning deal, our morning agreements of who's on the kids. And Mm -hmm. I take the kids to school three days a week. As soon as I drop them off, uh, which is 8.30, I get home, I'm back on and I'm working. And I I have my schedule that I don't do, I don't schedule many big things before 11 o'clock because that's again, time for me to do what I want with it and be focused on the higher leverage activities. And then from 11 um, onward, I'm doing all kinds of shit. Reacting, teaching classes, getting sucked into email. You know, my structure and routines are are way wobblier uh, after 11 and I'm, I still have lots to learn there, but that's kind of the general thing. And then I stop at, you know, five, between five and six every day mm-hmm. and I'm with my family. And if it's a night I'm putting the kids down or connecting with my wife, um, uh, that's the deal. I'm, I do not go back to my computer. Uh, there are nights though, probably two or three nights a week where I'll go back to work from, you know, eight till 10 or eight till nine thirty, Then I'm in bed.
0: Okay. So you're getting like six hours sleep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've trained myself too. That was not, I was at eight and I've just trained myself to go down to six. Nice. Yeah.
0: So that's what it takes to run a productive business, successful business that's actually generating revenue and also have a successful family that's generating profit to you as well. And not in the sense of financial profit, but it's making you a profit in your life.
1: Yep. Totally, and I value you know. I, sleep was like something I was willing to give up. I'm like, I'm I'm inspired in my life, so I don't get tired unless I'm doing something I don't care about. Then I get really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as I'm in my values, I'm I'm stoked. I don't feel like my body needs more sleep, um, and I'm willing to. I get time in the morning, and if I want time in the evening, I can always ask for it. And I some I rarely work weekends now. I've gone through phases where if I'm in a stress high stress mode, deadlines. Mm-hmm. i'll work all day saturday and be like honey i gotta do this and she'll have my back on it but for the most part we both agree that it goes better if daddy is like not near his screens on the weekends <laughs> and we do nature time as a family we right play a lot we do house projects we're doing games we're we're doing all kinds of cool shit and then i have a date night with my wife every week
0: That's i hear awesome. you I, I heard you said that if uh you were to work 24 seven, you'd probably burn out and die. And if it wasn't for your family that you would just like this fucking be a burnout.
1: <laughs> I think I would, dude, I, I'd be a fucking full on, I'd be like Gary V. I just go 24 seven because I'd love what I'm doing so much. And there's more to do all the time. I, there's I'd never enough hours in the day. Right. To like, just crank it all out. But I wouldn't have a marriage. I wouldn't have a family and I'd be a fucking loner and I'd, I don't know that I'd be remotely as successful. So I I actually want a family. I want a marriage. I want to enjoy that experience. Mm -hmm. So I I am I'm going slower than Gary V would want me to go. Yeah. A lot slower. And I'm cool with that.
0: Right. But at the same time, let's if we get a little philosophical here, is that you're on a mission to teach relationships. Yeah. So I would imagine that your wife and your kids probably teach you a ton on how to go teach that. Right.
1: All the time. So it's like, it's like, you can't have,
0: it's like the business of them are almost like one and the same.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it feels, dude. Thanks for getting that. It's like one big, I'm doing the same thing all day. It's all relationship all day long for me. Mm-hmm. And um, it's great. It's awesome because it, it all feeds each other, it all feeds itself.
0: So you were able to turn in the thing that, you didn't understand but you truly wanted to understand into a a money-making business and then also be able to go and create that in your life you got it so what kind of you know let's talk about just giving yourself permission um to go and do that right so let's just like kind of rewind back here before the, the wife and the kid and it's you building this you know, we do have relationships with ourselves, right? Yeah. You can get rid of everyone else, but you'll be stuck with you regardless. So, yeah. internally, what kind of mindset did you have to start to, what kind of self talk did you start to have in order to give yourself permission to attract someone like your wife, to build a business like that? What
1: kind of mindset was that? The growth mindset, bro. Yeah. It's, it's uh, again, the moment I set foot, foot on the path and I decided I was the problem, I was mm-hmm. like a beast. I was just like, all right, fucking game on! I'm gonna stare at myself in the face. I'm gonna go to therapy. I entered an individual therapy, group therapy. I was like, "How can I study more myself?" I was signing up for shit all the time. I was taking jobs at mental health centers. I was volunteering at places so that I could learn about people. Um, so I had a growth mindset. I didn't know I was gonna do the relationship school. I had no idea. Yeah. But my hunger to grow and become myself. Led me to unbelievable teachers and mentors and friends. Frankly, I'm still friends with people I met in grad school that are like deep friendships. You know, like soul, life, brothers, yeah. kind of shit. And um, that's really what it was, man. Um, and it, all that that hunger inside and that longing in my heart to be myself kept. Kept leading me to the clues along my trail to help me find my mission and help me find my purpose because mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't thought out back then, you know.
0: So how important is that to have that self worth and be able to choose yourself to actually attract a mate who's on that level? When you give yourself permission to do that, is that is that when you started? Is that when you brought in your wife when she came in after that?
1: Yeah, uh, was we, met, we met. We uh, met within a year of me. F- setting foot on the path uh, at 29 we met and then it wasn't we didn't start dating till a year later but I was still kind of I had to play out one of my patterns in grad school I dated a younger woman which was my pattern mm-hmm. and then I was kind of resenting her and I was like this is not this is like so unfulfilling it used to be kind of fulfilling but it's so like not now and I just, I started to be able to get, I started to see that pattern and make a commitment to myself that I was like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want, um, I don't want this. And then when I met my wife, I was sort of the way I talk about it, which is a little pejorative, but it's how I, just how I describe it is I was used to dating girls and I met my wife and I was like, I met a woman. And she was one of the first women to challenge me in my life. And uh, that was attractive and kind of repulsive at the same time. I was like, Hey, fuck you. Like, wait, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was really, it was new for me. And we instantly were having deep conversations and going way deeper than any woman I'd ever gone with. Um, And it was like really cool, but it was also really scary for me because I had had a lot of intimacy blocks, which is a whole nother podcast perhaps, but
0: yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to just, you just sparked up a question here for me. So obviously we have to deal with our relationship pain as an individual, right? But at the same time, we, choice. Want, we don't have to, well, we don't have to. Yeah. It's a choice. Um, but at the same time you could go and you are like, you know what? I'm tired of this relationship. I want to uh, envision myself with something like this. Yeah. Right. But you're not willing to, uh, per se, do the work Yeah. or do that. So, on a level of attracting a um a mate that is next level material, what is the work? How do you know if you're escaping or if you're truly, I'm done with this, I'm going to the next one? Right? Because it's like a fine line there of like I'm right. avoiding, or I'm like, I'm truly done with this.
1: Well, it kind of depends on how long you've been trying. Mm-hmm. And how much the other person's on board and, or not. And there's a lot of factors in that question. Um, But I, it's, I think it's obvious, like the person that attracts that stops asking that question. You know, Mm -hmm. like it becomes apparent in oneself that, you know what, my commitment to my own development here. Is like the of the utmost importance in my integrity and what I want, and I'm clear about what I want. And I'm not willing to settle. That becomes like uh, a repellent, frankly, to people who can't hang with that. Oh, so
0: like the, the the partner becomes just they can't handle it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then you can't handle them because it's like this isn't a fit, and it's it's aggressive to try to fit a square peg in a round hole or try to get someone to change. Mm -hmm. I was just teaching this in one of my classes today. Um, When we, when we do that, there's a way in which we're not accepting them as they are, which is a mirror again, for Mm -hmm. us not accepting some part of ourselves as Mm -hmm. we are. And we're wanting the grass is greener. We're wanting the better option before, as you said, before we've done the work on accepting this part of me that I'm not, I'm having a really hard time with right because at the end of the day we all want to be loved for who we are and not changed and not judged um but that's kind of the nature of relationship is you're gonna judge people Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's can i deal with my own interior enough that i don't need to change you i'm just clear i want to move on from you beautiful yeah
0: I know you're a busy man here and I have no idea long, how long we've been chatting for because it's the conversation is so good. But I do want to ask you, um, what are just some basic do's and don'ts of like relationship 101 to have a high quality relationship? Just okay. some, like basic steps.
1: All right. Uh, and then I probably ought to stop so yeah. dinner with the fam here. Um. Basic steps, some basic steps are the first is you got to develop a growth mindset if you don't already have it. But if you're Mm -hmm. listening to Curtis's podcast, you probably do. So that's good news. Growth mindset is going to set you up for long-term success, whatever you endeavor in life. Um, So that's key. Uh, It's also important to understand how relationships work. Just these three stages I outlined, infatuation, Mm -hmm. challenge, true love, or mature love that kind of education is essentially like get educated, you know, um, embracing conflict, another mindset, and then get a couple of basic tools, like listen, listening to other people until they feel understood, have that be a life practice. And there's two people that are really good at that therapists and salespeople uh, at listening to other people until they feel understood. That's a that's a skill that anyone can develop in life. And it's really essential. It's relationship success. Um, that's a big one. And then, yeah, the stuff around values is understanding that there's no two values that are alike. You're never going to have a match made in heaven where you value all the same things. It's going to look like that in the beginning. But after a year or two, you're going to find out you're really fucking different and you might even be opposites. And then it's a matter of how do we be a team given this fact, given this reality, and so you learn how to communicate and support each other and challenge each other with your values. So you have a shared language, a shared direction where you're headed, and a vision. Awesome. So those, are, those are some things.
0: Cool, man. Well, Jason, I really appreciate your wisdom and all the knowledge that you provided today. Uh, but I do want to have you tell the listener how they could get hear more about you, what you're up to, your relationship school. Where they where can they find you?
1: Awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, the Smart Podcast is another great podcast resource. Um, we're going on 200 episodes here pretty soon. And uh, it's just chock full of just awesome stuff. There's some mediocre shit in there, I have to admit, from time to time. But for the most part, it's really good. And uh, the relationship school.net is where you can find us right now. And we have free stuff like the podcast, and we've got premium high-end courses where you can come out to Boulder, Colorado for a nine-month training. You don't live here for nine months. You come a couple times. The rest is virtual. You can train to be a relationship coach here, uh, or you can just take a few classes and start to dip your toe in the water. The very first thing I tell people is to get the scorecard uh, or the take a relationship test on my website. On that website, just a little button, leave your name and email, and you'll actually test your chops of how good you are how knowledgeable you are at relationship. And then it's a great thing to take a year later to see if you've learned something, especially if you actually go learn. Um, so yeah, those are some resources and a great place to find us.